0: you're locked in for whatever the term of the loan is. So if you do get a 30-year cash-out refi, then you're locked in, that cash you pulled out. You are paying interest on it. So if you don't need it now and you don't know if you will, then sometimes people go with the HELOC because you're not paying for it unless you use it. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason J. Lou Lewis. And today's episode is going to be diving into the different things to consider for all of the different financing options during a rising rate market. So with rates on the uptick, I'm going to dive into the different finance options that are out there for investors and homeowners and And developers and discuss a few different items that someone should consider and the pros and cons of of each of these options in a market where the rates are on the rise. So that's going to be today's episode. I know that's been a very hot topic lately is how quickly and how fast rates have jumped up. A lot of people anticipated the rates to go up, but they didn't quite anticipate this Jump that we've seen in the last three or four months. It can add a dramatic difference in a person's mortgage based on a year ago's rates to today's rates. And that's both for a personal home loan as well as most of our listeners are investors uh, with these rates ticking up across all aspects of the interest rate market. So, I'm going to dive in to the different options ones I'll cover is, you know, you got cash. There's discussions around that and a rising rate market, how to use that and make sure you utilize it to best. You have HELOC options. That's a home equity line of credit. You have kind of third-party brokered traditional finance, conventional financing. That's 30-year fixed rate that's on the open market. That's most of the time when you lock that in, it's then resold on the open market. There's the portfolio lenders. That's the local banks. That's a community banks. It's in your area that normally have two to 20 locations. A lot of times they're actually holding those in-house. They aren't reselling them on the open market. Then you have your hard money. Those are your more short-term, typical kind of bridge or fix and flip type of loans. They're a shorter time frame most of the time. And we're talking about those today. And then there's bringing on partners, essentially bringing on an, a capital partner. You find the deal. You bring someone in that has has the cash. There's the GPLP, the general partner, limited partner where you're going out and bringing in essentially limited partners just that are there for their funds, their investment into the deal. You're the general partner. You're running it and doing the day-to-day. And then you have just the capital limited partner aspect and then you have the funds. There are people that are out there right now and and have in the past that are raising funds to acquire property. So, going to dive into those here today, let's talk about cash. Cash is king, cash is queen. It is the number one thing that people want And need is cash. If you have cash, you have the most leverage of any of these options. But in a rising rate market, should you buy stuff in cash or not? The thought process around using cash when rates are rising is that you limit your exposure. If you have it cash, you don't have to worry about the rising rates. If they go up one or two, three three points in the next couple of years or such, that won't affect you. But if you use your cash today and you don't get one of the the options that we'll talk about below is that you then won't have locked in today's rate. So if you do feel that rates will go up a couple points and you feel that in the future, you'll want to do more deals and you'll want to use leverage and put your capital or cash to work, then there could be a reason for you to go ahead and keep that cash on the sideline and utilize a loan or outside capital or do a cash out, you know, refi at this point. So, that's the pros and cons and just thinking through how you'll see your cash being utilized in a few years and where you see the rates. So, diving in to that aspect of cash is my favorite because that means you have cash. You can do deals no matter what. It's more so of kind of a first world problem of getting to make sure you're utilizing it to its highest and best. Some of the the rest of the ones we'll talk about are a lot of times people don't have cash. That's not an option for them. They're, they only have the 20% down or 25% down. So they're having to kind of figure out which of the following they might want to do in a rising rate market. HELOC, most of the time, hence the name, home equity line of credit. Those are traditionally just on your home. If you have equity, prices, valuations have have skyrocketed, especially here in in markets like Denver where we're located. Most people, if they've owned a house over two or three years, even even, heck, even one year, you will have most likely more than your 20 or 25% down that you put into it originally that you can potentially pull back out. But most banks won't do it on commercial. So if you do have a commercial or a multifamily or such, hence the name home equity, It's much more difficult to get a line of credit attached to commercial. There are ones that do it. It's just not as easy as just calling up a a local bank and getting a HELOC. So you definitely need to dive into that if, if that's of consideration or interest on the commercial side. But investors will use their home equity line of credit to invest in other properties. And when right rates are going up, a lot of people recommend. Getting a HELOC today, getting it locked in. They're not a forever loan. They're only, you know, good for anywhere from one to five years a lot of times. And then they then they can pull that option that you have. Cause essentially you aren't paying for anything if you're not using it. It's just there as, as an option. So A lot of people are trying to jump in and get a HELOC. And another thing is a lot of banks are stopping HELOCs in general because it's a second position and with the kind of craziness going on in the the market. And some of them stopped it during COVID and they haven't started it back up. So if you do have an option to get a HELOC, a lot of people, as I mentioned, are recommending doing it because you get it kind of lock in that that option to have. Uh, Most of the time, what they'll do is, is a HELOC is they'll give you the delta between your twenty-five percent down and then the equity you have into it, so let's just say that you have forty-five percent equity into it, they'll give you twenty additional twenty percent of the home's value in a HELOC because they they need to make sure you keep twenty-five percent in there, and then they'll kind of give you the the delta on the rest. So HELOCs can be a great option. So then the other is just con- conventional financing, brokered third party mortgages, 30-year fixed conventional type options that everyone kind of thinks of when they think of financing. So that's ones that right now people are, are trying to lock in and are trying to do refis on if they do have maybe a higher rate they've had in the past and they haven't really jumped at locking in rates where they were a few months back or last year. It might be something to consider of going ahead and biting the bullet and And locking in at least today's rates. So it's tough because a lot of people are like, this is crazy. I don't want four and a half percent. I could have got it at two and a half percent a year ago and I just chose not to. So it's that hindsight, that 2020. But the option here is is if it goes to five or five and a half, are you looking back and thinking that, well, shoot, I should have gone ahead and locked it in at four and a half. So that's something to consider here is where do you feel rates will be and Traditionally, where do you think that they will stabilize at? You know, historically, and then making that call of whether or not you refi, and you can do a cash out refi as well. So that's where a lot of people are are taking advantage of the refis is the cash out. So if you do have equity and you want that that loan locked in for thirty years, whereas the HELOC is just temporary. It's not a forever loan, and it's based on prime, which right now is three and a half percent. So a lot of times, it's like a half a point or a point above prime. And a prime goes up, you're not locked in. So if if you're able to to get that equity pulled out as a cash out refi, then you're locked in for whatever the the term of the loan is. So if you do get a thirty year cash out refi, then you're locked in that cash you pulled out. You are paying interest on it. So if you don't need it now and you don't know if you will, then sometimes people go with the heloc because you're not paying for it unless you use it. So those are some things to consider when you're looking at the traditional 30 year fixed financing is is heloc, you know, where your rate is today, how much equity you have into it and what's your ultimate goal with the property. Are you looking to maybe pay it off down the road or are you are you the believer of always having your house as highly leveraged as possible and paying down other properties, investment properties, because those a lot of times, which we'll jump into here in a second, are variables. Whereas your home, you can get a 30-year fixed. So there is the case of locking in and pulling out as much capital and leveraging as much as possible, and then having the least amount owed that you can on the more variable, shorter term type of investment loans. So that's some items around that. The next is portfolio loans. Those are your local banks, the ones with 20 or two to 20 locations here in Denver. That's a first bank. That's a first community. That's a collegiate peaks, A and B bank. It's it's groups that are local, that are not national, institutional type of, of uh, financing groups. And most of the time, what they will want is they will want your relationship so they're very relationship based businesses which can be a blessing and a curse a lot of times they they do want you to have say at least a bank account or your deposits say if you have a business or your rents they're coming into their bank because that's how they can lend is they have to have deposits to be able to lend on those so you're looking at at least 25% down whereas traditional kind of mortgage uh, the the third party brokered. You can do you know that three to twenty percent traditionally. Portfolio lenders, the local banks, are asking for twenty five on investment property, and they're most of the time a half a point to a point higher than traditional, and they are shorter most of the time. They do not lock in for the thirty years because they're using their own money. They're not selling it on the open market, so they need to make sure that they kind of cover themselves. So they're looking at anywhere from a three to ten year loan. And the amortizations aren't 30 years as well. A lot of times they're 20 or 25% amortization. So that's something to consider with rising rates. Is there a way for you to somehow get conventional financing on that one or four unit that you maybe bought at a using a local bank or hard money or some of these other options? Is it where you can maybe go and get fixed financing on the open market right now? And that's that's kind of how people use the local banks is is acquiring. And if you're in high growth mode, using those, even though they're a little higher and shorter term loans, if you're not holding it forever, if you're looking to upsize in three or four or five years, go from a duplex to a fourplex, fourplex to an eightplex, eightplex to a 16plex, then the, the fixed financing really isn't that much of a concern. So again, that's what people do with the local banks is is they're on high growth mode. They're using those properties to really kind of leverage up. They're always at their highest and best. So the next option is hard money. Hard money is is some is shorter. It's kind of thirty year fixed, as I mentioned. The the brokered conventional, then the portfolio loans, and then the next one is is a hard money. Most of the time, those are short loans, anywhere from six months to maybe two years they're going to be the highest interest rates and upfront points. That's kind of the loan origination fee kind of points as they call it. Those are anywhere from a half a point to 2% upfront. And then they're the interest rates anywhere from 7 to 12%, maybe upwards of 15%, kind of depending on, on who and what um, you're using it for. But one of the pros is, is they're getting a lot more aggressive right now um, because there's a lot less deals and a lot more money Floating out there to invest in properties and invest in with investors. So they used to traditionally want 25% of the acquisition and 25% down of the renovation, if not all that you had to pay all of the renovation out of pocket. They're getting much more aggressive and they're doing anywhere from 75 to 100% of the acquisition and then similar 75 to 100% financed of the renovation. So it used to be you'd have to bring 25% of both, or if, as I mentioned, fund the entire reno. Now, some of these groups are almost funding the acquisition and almost all of the renovation themselves. So it's a very flip reverse of what we were seeing two to three years ago. Recent deals that I've done has been 90% of acquisition and 90% of the renovation, so I'm coming out ten percent. So ten percent on a eight hundred or a million dollar acquisition versus twenty five percent is a significant difference. So where that kind of comes in with rising rates is you just got to be careful because these are shorter term loans. So if you're holding that property after renovation and looking to get a permanent loan with either the local bank or conventional loans, then you just have to make sure that. You're anticipating that in your pro forma, that rates will be could be higher at that six or 12, 24 month time frame. however long it maybe takes you to renovate or lease up that property that you're purchasing or maybe building, that you have to anticipate that that isn't a forever loan. So it, it, it makes a one of the more risky of the options because of just the length and the overall cost. If you get stuck with that property, the market turns, saying 08 happens and you're three quarters away done with the property at 12% interest, then, and other traditional banks' rates are going up or they're just stopping lending, it can be a very difficult position to be in. So the next is just partners. So the other ones are kind of just you keeping the, the asset all yourself and the three options of four options of the HELOC, conventional portfolio, and hard money. But then there's also, hey, you found the deal, go find a cash partner. And those can just be a 50-50 type deal or however you ultimately value the deal that you brought to the table and the capital. So I've seen them all over the board. I've seen them 50-50. I've seen it spread 90-10 90-10 to 90-10 the other way. It really depends on one, how good a deal you have and how safe of an investment it is and how good a relationship you have with your cash lender. But on a basis, I see a lot of people bring a deal in, they'll bring a partner that's got the money and they just kind of split it 50-50 and it's a pretty basic deal. Each side without the other couldn't have done the deal. So those are options to look at. And in the rising rental rate market, if, if you're having someone bring in the capital for it using their cash, then it kind of deleverages and de-risk the overall rising rates because essentially you're using cash. You're using it as someone else's versus your own cash, which was the first option, but it's someone else's and, and you're de-leveraged because it, the risk is off, off of you. The next one is GP LPs. That's general partner, limited partner. So those are options where you essentially raise capital partners multiple ones but they aren't an active partner a lot of times the if you do a if you do a general partner lp role limited partner it's it's the limited partners are literally just the cash behind the deal whereas if you go with the partner the 50-50 both people are most of the time pretty active in it and taking the risk themselves whereas the gp and lp it's The general partners, most of the time, are the only ones signing on the debt. So why that is relevant in a rising rental rate market is if you're taking on limited partnership and you as a GP is signing on the debt, it can be a pretty risky proposition So, because you're fully leveraged at that point. You're using other people's money for the down payments for the loan and you're signing on. As the general partner for the debt yourself. Sometimes you can get non-recourse loans, but a lot of times they are recourse. So it's one of the riskiest of them all in a rising rate market because you are fully leveraged. Not only are you using other people's money for the down payment, then you are on the hook for the whole thing yourself, which if things go south, it can not only you know put you in a very bad position with the bank, but you've essentially put all the money that of your limited partner's uh, capital at risk as well. wait, bankruptcies happened and LPGP scenarios were getting given back to the bank left and right simply because they just they had no other option at that point. They were doing capital calls and limited partners didn't want to. They were upside down and it just became very, very, very messy during the time when things got tough. So if rates skyrocket, then that can be one of those tough situations where it wouldn't be a situation I'd want to be in. So and the last one is funds. We talk about those not very often, very infrequently is is going out and raising a fund. It the main thing is it's the highest scrutinized and most costly to structure some, some most in-depth. I mean, you're you're getting SEC regulations and you're having to do all the legal. Mm-hmm. Entity and structuring behind it. So, but that is an option. If you feel rates are rising and you want to maybe capture some deals that normally would have would have sold, but they're sitting on the market and you're able to pick them up for a little better deal because you can use cash and you need to be quick and jumping right off the opportunity. If you have that cash in your fund, if you raise a two, three, five, you know, I have some friends that raise $50 million funds when that deal comes up, because other people that are using these other options we talked about can't close quickly or the banks are scrutinizing harder. If you have that capital ready to go and in the bank, in that fund, you can jump on it. You can get some great deals, great opportunities, but the upfront structuring of that is by far the most in-depth of any of the options. So We've we dove in probably about 15 minutes, I'm guessing, here of, of just the different financing options and, and my thoughts on them based on a rising rate market. So, you got cash, you got your HELOCs, you got your conventional financing portfolio, lender banks, you got hard money, you got your partner, typical partnership, then your more sophisticated GP, LP, limited partnerships, then you got your funds. So, if you're looking to do deals or you already have deals that you're doing, and you're trying to figure out how to best leverage your capital, your opportunities, future growth in this rising rate market, I wanted to share some thoughts with you. I'd love to get some feedback. I know anytime we do things like this, there's always people are very opinionated on, on which ones are best and which ones are the most safe and all of that. So I'd love some feedback, throw it in uh, any of the comment sections or wherever you listen this we'd love to hear what you guys are doing. Ultimately, which one route are you going based on what you're projecting in the next couple of years with with the rates? So I appreciate you guys listening in today. And uh, as always, until next time, think outside the box.